Good morning. Um, Monday morning was rough, and I shared that with our house church on Wednesday night. In many shape or form, as we were confronted with this disaster, tragic one, uh, what we are studying in the book of Acts, especially that we are living in the last days, not just we see wars that does not make any sense, which is continuing on, and it is becoming a lot more hostile right now. We see these natural disasters in a very frequent rate than ever before in our own nation, uh, all around the world. And how we see the biblical truth, the cultural, traditional norm that we believed in and we stood on is being challenged. The name of Jesus Christ is being challenged. Christian doctrine is deemed as bigotry. We're living in the last days. Not only we need to pray for them, we need to pray for our faith to strengthen and guard. Uh, we need to stay awake and be alerted. And we also need to be the beacon of light where we shine that light. Imagine these people are working day and night in terrible condition and temperature. Yet, one clip I saw was when they found this young child and a couple of people were carrying that child on their shoulder and the entire crew were rejoicing, jumping up and down, singing. And that brought me to the lost sheep, that parable, the lost coin, that parable. Heaven rejoices when we become the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, when we go to the rubbles all around, the dark places all around. There is spiritual darkness and there is no nourishment for these people and they are confused and misunderstood and the truth is no longer truth and it is subjective. We need to go to those people. And once again, we're living in the last day. The Lord needs to come where we can be in a place where there's no tear no sorrow, no pain and suffering. It is real and it, it hurts when you see your loved one uh, being sick and uh, suffering through it, when you are dealing with your own difficult life. Lord, please come. Come soon. For we are living in the last days. And that's a perspective that you could maintain and regain as you see the happenings all around in the world, in your city, as well as in your life. The book of Acts teaches us a lot of things, but as a church, how we need to conduct ourselves, what we need to believe in, is really the focal point that I want to stress as we uh, take our journey together. This morning we are on Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, all the way to the verse 10. If you're there, would you all stand as we receive the word? Here's the word. 
Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. Father, this morning we pray as we expound on your word, not just a story, but your word. That you, as we study, as we look into this amazing miracle, will you fill us in our hearts that joy, that awe and excitement, the amazement in our hearts. Your truth, your eternal truth, may it change, may it inspire May it confront our hearts that we will never be the same. That we will close, be closer and closer walking closely beside our Lord, the King, the Savior. So help us, Lord, as we humble ourselves, as we obediently open our hearts to receive your word. Take away all the preconceptions and certain notions that we have, yet we come as an empty vessel for you to fill us. That we desire, Lord, will you bless us. Be here with us, with our people. Be gracious to your servant for him to deliver your message. Bless us all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, Chapter 2, we have seen on the day of Pentecost, as Jesus already promised in the chapter 1, while he, during his time of resurrection before his ascension, he promised that he will send the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And on this day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, as Jesus promised, came upon the disciples. And it did, in a miraculous fashion, the wind, the speaking, the tongues of fire. And on that day, in the upper room, the disciples were baptized by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit. And because of the miraculous nature, the display, the crowd gathered around them. 
On that same day, Peter, who was empowered and moved by the Spirit, stood up along with the disciples and he declared the truth, the gospel message. He preached the message about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He preached boldly about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He preached without hesitation, without fear, the convicting message. And when you look at chapter 2, his sermon, there was no clever opening. There was no uh, ear catching, your attention gathering, clever introduction. There was no funny, intriguing illustrations. You can't find one in there. Certainly there was no apology for his direct approach, how bluntly he declared the truth and held them accountable. It was purely simple, yet the message was all about what God has done in his son, Jesus Christ, who he was. He was the Christ, the Messiah, that was born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth, according to God's prophecy. Now what happened to the heart of those who listen? Now, those who really listen, I mean, there are a crowd, but those who were really listening, their hearts were cut. They were confronted by the truth, truth of who he was, what he has done, what they have done to him. They were convicted. They were cut to the heart. And they came, not all, but they who were listening and cut to the heart by the power of the Spirit, convicted by the Holy Spirit, they came to the apostle and they asked, what do I do? I understand and I believe it it resonates. It brings me upside down. What do I do now? What do I do? How should we respond to your message, to the gospel of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Peter said to them once again, without hesitation, with boldness and courage, he said, repent. Repent, leave your ways, leave your old ways of worship, leave your own way of worshiping, serving God, your own way, leave them behind. Walk away from your own righteousness, your own way of carrying yourself as a child of God. Here is Jesus Christ. Turn to Jesus. And Peter said, Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And be baptized. Baptized. Profess your faith by public display of your commitment, your love, your loyalty to the Lord. And also receive the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit of God dwell in you, empower you, lead you, fill you, and guide you. And on that day, on the same day, the disciples, 120 plus, were 
baptized and filled by the Holy Spirit, 3,000 came to know the Lord. And they received the Holy Spirit. And they themselves committed to the Lord Jesus and received the very Spirit the disciples received earlier on that day. Now, at the end of the chapter 2, Luke described the early gatherings of the believers by saying in verse 43, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostle. They gathered. You know, verse 42 is also worth looking into. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. So 120 plus 3,000, what did they devote themselves to? Teaching of the word and the fellowship. And another way to describe that, which is the identical thing, yet with a, uh, another emphasis to the breaking of bread and the prayers, they gather, they devote themselves to gather. They zealously gather. And what did they do? They receive the teaching from the apostles and they have fellowship together with the body. They were breaking bread. They were eating together, sharing what they had, and they were uh, just doing life together and devote themselves to prayer. As they were doing so, verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. It's not just the teaching that fills with you that awe and amazement. It's the fellowship. It's the breaking of the bread. It's the prayer as well. Now, but as we know, from verse 43 and on, Luke does not talk about any specifics of those miraculous things, the wonders and signs. But in the passage we just read this morning, we actually see at least one of them. We see one. Miraculous sign. Let's take a look at this. In the text we have this morning, Peter and John, they were going up to the temple on the ninth hour, which probably was the three in the afternoon. And they were going up. They were Christians, but they were still Jews. And they were faithful at the tradition uh, the the way they spend time with the Lord in prayer. So out of habit and out of devotion, that's all they knew. So they went to the temple on their own. And as they were walking up to the temple, on their way, they met a man who was crippled, who was lame from birth. He was a beggar sitting at the temple gate to beg from those who were entering into the temple. Now, he can't get there by themselves. These people, his friends or family members, whoever they may have been, they carried him there purposely. Now, why at the temple purposely? Why not at the synagogue? Why not at the marketplace? Why at the temple? Well, he was at the temple because he would enjoy Really steady traffic, steady streams of people coming in for worship time, coming in for prayer time daily. But I, I think there was another aspect. That was these people 
are coming into the presence of God to worship God and ask for God's forgiveness on them and they can pass this poor and needy. You know what I mean? As they're coming into, ask them, ask God to forgive his sin and they understand they can't be like these bad uh, people who just do not look after the orphans and widows and the poor and needy. So I believe there is a, some strategy going on on the beggar's part. Because they will be a lot more inclined to help and give. More generous. So as Peter and John enter into the temple, this beggar was there to catch their attention and maximize his profit, fill his need. Look at verse 3. When the beggar spotted Peter and John about to enter into the temple, he asked them, he engaged them first for their mercy. And this, this mercy particularly he was looking for in the form of money. Verse 4. So Peter and John stopped. And he looked at them, looked at him, and he they demanded the man to look at them. Look at us. Now, this probably was exactly what the man wanted. Probably he was thinking as Peter and John were saying, look at us. This was his initial, the biggest thing that he has to do. A couple months ago, I was right in front of my house, Kroger, doing you know, little grocery shopping before I picked the kids up. And then as I was walking out, I have never seen anyone begging for money in front of that shopping center. But on that day, I seen this father with probably four or five-year-old daughter. Next, it was really terrible day, uh, drizzle with cold temperature. And this daughter of his was sitting next to him on a cement and looking at his phone, father's phone or whatever it was a certain device, and he was holding a sign, we need your help. We need your help. So as I, my car was here, he was right here, and as I walk out, I've never seen anyone asking for money in front of Kroger. That particular Kroger. But as I walk in, uh, w was walking out, and I, that sign caught my attention, and I looked at him, and we locked eyes with the gentleman and I. Um, and I hesitated and I was holding bags and I went to the car, put the thing and I pulled my wallet out and I looked and the smallest bill I had was $10. And I pulled back on my car, drove around it back way so that I will face him on the driver's side window and I handed him the $10 and I told him, God bless you. I, I think I've seen so many people asking for money, but the daughter sitting next to him, I, I just, he was probably, she was about probably a couple years younger than Caleb, maybe somewhere around there. It just caught my attention. It made me stop and think. For whatever reason, 
this beggar was succeeded to catch Peter and John's attention. The half of your mission is done when you were able to this patron, the steady flow of traffic, if you can cause these people to pause, stop, and look at you, the job is halfway done, right? Normally, you don't want to make eye contact. You walk away. You know, you already spotted this person, and you try to not to look at them, and you just pass by, drive by. That's normally how it is. Now, Peter and John said, look at us. And this man looked up. And imagine, he looked up with high hope. And he knew the most important job was out of the way. He was able to make them stop and engage them. So he had this high hope, thinking that he would definitely get something. So if he was holding a cup or bowl, probably as he was looking up to Peter and John, Probably he lift them up because most of the people will now proceed to give some. That was when Peter uttered these famous words in verse 6. Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. Peter said, I do not have silver. I don't have gold. I do not have money. But what I have, I will give to you. I have something else I want to give to you. Now, can you imagine the beggar's disappointment? Like, no silver, no gold, no money. What what, what else can you give to help me, help the brother out? He thought for sure he was going to get paid. But now he understands, disappointed, because that's not the case anymore. What will you, what will they possibly give me instead of silver, instead of gold, instead of money? What could be better than them? Peter quickly declared to the men, In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's the gospel in itself. In Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah from Nazareth, human being, the Son of God. In his name, rise up and walk. Peter did not have gold. He didn't have silver to give. Yet he gave the best thing I he had to give. And that is why he said what is in the name of Jesus Christ, I will give to you no silver, no gold, but what I have. It was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. For Peter, Jesus Christ was far better than silver or gold. He was better than anything the world can offer any person who walks by him, can possibly offer. He believed and knew what the man truly needed. That was Jesus. Folks, once again, we're living in the last days. There's pain and sorrow everywhere we turn to. Folks, we need Jesus too. We too need Jesus. 
We need him, Jesus. Uh, we need him every day. We need him every hour. More than any amount of money, any amount of fame, any amount of comfort. Don't we need Jesus? We need Jesus. Folks, we need his love. We need his mercy. We need his grace. We need his love that covers our sins, that brings uh, that, that forgiveness that he brings, the healing and restoration that he brings. We need Jesus. But oftentimes, we're too busy looking for something else. We're looking for silver. We're looking for gold. We're too busy shoving Jesus to the side. We're too distracted with the things that seem better to us. Church, we need Jesus every day, every hour. Amen? In the name of Jesus Christ, we find the way. In the name of Jesus Christ, we know the truth. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have the life. In his name, the Bible declares all the authority and power in heaven and on earth has been given in his name. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we can find and receive everything we need and infinitely more. Amen? Folks, this man received far more than silver or gold. Far more than what he could possibly gain from anyone. We too have received Jesus Christ. We too have received something that cannot be measured by this world. And how precious is he to you? What does the name of Jesus Christ mean to you? And what does that name, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, will do for you each and every day? The first thing that we see, by the name of Jesus Christ, he was healed. We are healed by the name of Jesus Christ. By his name, we're saved. By his name, we're forgiven. By his name, we are restored. When Peter commanded the man to walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Peter took his hand. And helped him up. And what happened? Immediately he was cured. Immediately there was strength on his knee, on his ankle. He was able to stand. It wasn't gradual healing, was it? It was immediate. He became strong. It was instant and it was complete. He felt the strength in his feet and ankle right away. Folks, when Jesus saves you, he saves you immediately. It's not a gradual process. He saved you. He claimed you. He moved you from the domain of darkness to his domain in the light. He saved you instantly, completely. The name of Jesus Christ. He gives us strength. He gives us power. He makes us strong. He makes us whole. Jesus Christ is not about temporary relief. He's not a band-aid. Don't treat Jesus like a band-aid. 
Remember that, that liquid thing? Do you guys know? I grew up with that thing. That iodine thing. In Korean, you call it red medicine. You call it red medicine. Literally, that was red medicine. You got scratched. You got burned. Red medicine. Folks, don't treat Jesus like red medicine. Don't treat Jesus like a band-aid that whenever you need him, you put on it. Put on it like he was, he is some sort of a temporary relief. He's not. He is permanent solution. He is complete cure for your broken state. Amen. Amen. And if it is amen, that's how you need him each and every day. So we have to lean on him. We gotta trust him. We gotta call on him. Call his name. The name above every name. Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. You will be healed. You will be restored. Secondly, in the name of Jesus Christ, what do we see? The man received joy. Same for us. We receive joy in the name of Jesus Christ. He received excitement with no bound. Same for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we receive joy and excitement that knows no bound. Look at him. He could not hide his joy and excitement. Mere walking and running wasn't good enough. He had to leap. He had to jump. He had to run. He was like a child with a brand new toy. Folks, the name of Jesus Christ brings joy and excitement and peace. Whoever is in Christ, you have this. You permanently have this. Think about this. Christ, Jesus, gives you true joy, true excitement in life, true peace that knows no bound. So what do we do? What should we do? Instead of being anxious, worry, concerned for things of this world, but in everything, let us, in his name, pray. Approach the throne then the peace of God, the joy of God, this excitement that transcends all your circumstance, all your understanding, all your logic and experience will guard your hearts and mind. Where? In Jesus Christ. Amen. You find joy. You find excitement. You, you find gratitude. You find everything in Jesus Christ. Finally, through the name of Jesus Christ, what do we do? Just like what he did, the beggar did, he brought glory to God. By and through and in the name of Jesus Christ, what do we do? We bring glory to God. The man was not only walking, not only jumping, leaping, but he entered the temple with his own power. He went to the temple. Because he wanted to go to temp the temple and worship and praise God. Think about it. 
Some of you, I know, I, I've heard this because the cynical nature in us, I mean, he was at the temple. The least he could do was to go to the temple. So we diminish his intention or we misunderstand his zeal. Where that miracle really, truly came from. No. With his newfound ability, with his new leg, for the first time in his life, guys, for the first time, he was lame from birth. He never walked. Never. So he found his leg. He can walk again. Where could he go? There are tons of places he could go, tons of people he can meet, and he could do so many things wanting to do all throughout his life that if I, you know, if only I had my legs. Yet what did he do? For the first time in his life, when he was able to walk, he went to the temple to praise God. He could have gone to many other places. He could have done many other things and see so many people. But he was walking, jumping, running to the temple to worship God, to praise Him. Yet he was not only glorifying God through his praise and worship, but his entire life. I mean, imagine his entire being. People see him and they recognize, isn't that the Jew? He's the guy sitting at the beautiful gate every day asking for money. He's jumping up and down. He's praising God, worshiping God. How is that possible? His entire being, his presence, the way he worships God became a testimony to all the people. And they saw what God in Jesus Christ, in his name, was able to do in and through his life. And the people were filled with wonder and amazement. It was only possible in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I don't have silver. I don't have gold. I know I can give you money and help you out today for you to survive today. But I have something infinitely better for you. What I have, I give to you. Peter had him. What you don't have, you can't give. What I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I give him to you. Would you stand up and walk? And the rest was history. So church, is Jesus Christ better than silver or gold for you? What are you looking for in life? Is Jesus Christ truly the best thing that happened to you? Is he truly the best thing that happened to you? Don't say yes because we are here. Don't say yes out of habit because you have to. Is he truly the best thing that happened to you? The best thing that caused you to have this infinite amount of joy no matter what's going on in your life? This excitement each morning to get up, no matter what's waiting for you on that day. 
Is he truly the best thing? Is he the gift from God? Is he the healer? Is he your reward, your defense, your portion, your salvation? Is he? Folks, he is and infinitely more. Amen? He is your joy. He is your peace. He is your righteousness. He is everything. He's your Lord. He's your King who is coming to get us home again. He gave us life. He gave us purpose. He gave us meaning. When the world tells us who we are and define us and confine us, He sets us free. And in the freedom that He gives us, we can do all things through Christ, not I, yet through Christ in me. Yet you and I did not do anything to deserve Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You and I did not... You are not, and I am no good in order to justify that we deserve Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We're not healthy. We're not good. He came to us, for we are sinners. In need of His love and forgiveness and restoration, He came to us, for we are sick in need of healing. So folks, you may not recognize yourself as a lame from birth in this story. But we are, aren't we? Aren't we the beggar who desperately needs something in order to survive in this world, in this circumstance? Reaching, looking. Are you paralyzed in any way? Are you broken in any way? And aren't we in need of our Lord Jesus, the Savior, Jesus? Are you hopeless and helpless? Overwhelmed and overmatched? Again, the answer is Jesus. You need Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We need him every day. Every hour. We need his power. We need his presence. We need his wisdom. We need his salvation. We need his forgiveness. We need him. We need him to fill us anew each and every day. We need it. We need him. We, I needed him this morning. I need him now. And I will need him tomorrow morning. Call upon him then. Trust Him. Follow Him. Because He will save you. He will forgive you. He will restore you. Folks, He is better than silver or gold. If that is true statement, and you say amen to that, He is better than silver or gold, live like that statement. He is better than anything in this world. He is better than life itself. So. so.
So I charge you and I ask you, encourage you, will you in his name remain? Stay in Jesus. Take a moment to pray. We need the name of Jesus Christ. The name that is above every name. The name that everyone will bow and worship in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. At the name of Jesus Christ, everyone will fall on their knee and bow. It comes with power, comes with authority, but it comes with grace and mercy in love. He comes. So in the name of Jesus Christ, By the name of Jesus Christ. Through the name of Jesus Christ. You need to be healed and restored. Not just today, but every day. Do you need Him and His Spirit to fill you with joy and excitement? Not just today, but every day. In his name, that we will truly, do we need to be truly all that he desires us to be so that, that our presence, our entire being will bring glory to the Lord, praise and honor to his holy name? Is he truly better than silver or gold? Do we desperately need the name of Jesus Christ in our lives. We know the answer, but how we can live that lives, we need wisdom, we need to surrender, and we need to lean on the Spirit of our Lord Jesus to teach us and guide us. So if you need to offer anything in light of this message, convicted and led by the Spirit, I ask you, truly examine your heart and confess to the Lord who Jesus is to you and how desperately you need That's pray. Oh God, oh God, I need you. Today, I need you. Right now, I need you. day, every hour. You're my life. You're my defense. You're my righteousness. You're everything. Father, we thank you for the precious name of Jesus Christ we have received so freely. And in his name we have received joy and peace and excitement. We have received this hope. We have received uh, uh, righteousness. 
privilege to call you Father. We can co-heir with Jesus Christ our Lord for all eternity. That our permanent address is not here on earth. We do not bank our lives for the temporary fix here on earth. But we look to the Lord who is the author and the perfecter of our salvation. You are better than life. Jesus, you are better than silver or gold. You're better than anything we can work for and find in this world. And how often, Lord, we're too busy to recognize, too foolish to recognize. We shove the name of Jesus Christ to the side and we take over. We measure the name of Jesus Christ with the things of this world. And how easily we're swayed and choose and abandon something other than our Lord Jesus. So Father, would you give us that desperation as we are weak and lame or helpless, overwhelmed in this life like we don't have legs, like we don't know, don't have any footing in this world. We don't know where to begin what to do, what to make of our lives. Help us to look to Jesus and receive the life itself in our lives. Father, I pray that that you will meet us, heal us, restore us each and every day, forgive us, fill us with your Spirit. Fill us with joy and excitement and peace. Fill us with the purpose, the plan that you have in mind for us so that as we live our lives leaping, jumping, praising, honoring, worshiping our God through our lives, in the name of Jesus, may we bring glory and praise and honor to your name. Father, we pray that this upcoming week will be that kind of week that we will dwell in Jesus. Whatever that we will face, that we will overcome in his powerful, glorious, mighty name. Father, bless your people. It's just a simple message. But if we think about who Jesus is each and every day, that brings us to the right place. Such questions draw us closer and closer to Jesus, that we will know exactly what needs to be done in our lives and our decisions. May Jesus Christ of Nazareth reign in each and every one of us in our hearts and minds. Father, we thank you. Go with us, go before us. We pray all this in his holy name. Amen.